0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Most children like to dance and many will make music if you let them. It may not be the music you want to listen to, but they love to make noise. New research from the School of Early Childhood Education at the Queensland University of Technology has found that moving and making music help get your child ready for school. Associate Professor Kate Williams designed a program for preschool kids and gave it a run with 113 children. She's on the phone to tell us about the findings. Hi Kate, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'd love to have you start with explaining what the musician advantage is. Sure. Well, there's
1: been emerging um, and now decades of research, really, since we've been able to scan the brain and get lovely images of what's happening in there. And what we've learned is that um, professionally trained musicians or even um, children who've been trained as musicians for two years or more are showing some really wonderful brain benefits in terms of stronger connections between the different parts of the brain and just overall kind of a higher functioning brain, which is wonderful.
0: What kind of activities are in your preschool program? Because I'm assuming you're not aiming to classically train all the children in preschool.
1: No, look, while that would be wonderful, it's not realistic or feasible <laughs> and not every child would like to learn an instrument anyway. So what I'm trying to do is distill the uh, the basics of um, what helps you play a music instrument and what that practice is about and distill that into a program that means we can try to get the same brain benefits for the children, but without the need for expensive instruments and all that kind of thing. So what we're um, supporting teachers to do is get children to move rhythmically and in some kind of complicated, coordinated ways, which will essentially help to stimulate
0: the same musician advantage. And can you give us an example of what that might look like? I mean, as far as possible on radio where you can't dance for me.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's right. Um, So we've created um, audio tracks that the children generally love to groove to and they're at the right tempo to, um, to sort of get them going and moving in time to the beat. And so, for example, we might be asking them to remember four different moves which employs their working memory. We want them to remember a stomp, a star jump, a wiggle and then maybe a hop. And can they remember those four? And when the music changes, can they match the music um, with their movement? Also, can we stop and start the music? So the tracks have stops and starts. In them. And this is a really good skill in terms of self-regulation for children to have to be able to
0: stop when the music stops. So this, uh, these words, self-regulation, seem to be key for young children, particularly as they're about to head into school. I know it's one of the key things we look for kids to make sure that they're school ready, how does um, sort of developing memory and um, being able to stop or being able to follow instructions, how does that relate to self-regulation? Most of us parents would think of self-regulation as um, being a bit more self-aware when they get upset. <laughs> and those yes. kinds of things.
1: Self-regulation is such a big umbrella term and certainly that, that kind of emotional self-regulation is very important and that's what parents have to deal with on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis. But there's some other areas of self-regulation that are really important for learning and they're called executive functions and uh, we talk about three of those in early childhood. One is working memory. So can you kind of remember multi-step instructions or can you remember a piece of information that you have to use to solve a problem? The second one is inhibition, which you might think of as impulse control so these are the children who can kind of refrain from yelling out in class if, if the rule of the classroom is to put their hand up first and you can, you can see how um, stopping and starting actually helps children to learn physical inhibition just to control them, their physical selves. and the third executive function is shifting or mental flexibility and we practice that in the, in the rhythm and movement program by doing things like asking children to move slowly when the music is fast and that is really quite difficult to do because you're having to get your brain to override the natural instinct to move fast with the music and go slowly instead and so this is is about
0: mental flexibility. I also like your example about head, shoulders, knees and toes. Can you talk us through that one? Yeah, so there's so many little tricks that parents
1: can do. They, all, the, all of the sort of classic nursery rhymes that we often do, you can just add a little, tr- add a little trick um, into it. So, for example, for heads, shoulders, knees and toes, one step might be, can you sing it through and leave out shoulders? So that's about inhibition. It's also about working memory because you have to remember the instruction, but can you sing heads, knees and toes, knees and toes... <laughs> And keep going through. Another step might be, can you sing it forward, starting with heads, but actually do the opposite actions. So your actions begin on your toes, even when you're singing head. And that involves a lot of uh, tricky working memory, inhibition, even emotional regulation. (laughs) So you don't get too frustrated.
0: Sounds like something um, would be challenging for adults as well. Really? Yes,
1: it can be, especially <laughs> after a long night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so the program that um, you're running is was twice a week and for 30 minutes each time. Looking at your results, do you think that's the ideal amount of time children should be in, engaged in movement and rhythm activities to get the benefits?
1: We're actually looking at that for the next... Um for the next piece of research. I think uh, 30 minutes might be difficult for people to fit in. So we've actually, for the next study, reduced it to 20 minutes. (coughs) Excuse me. And we'd also... Um, I think twice a week is the bare minimum. So we know from studies from the musician effect and other studies that have looked at activities that improve children's self-regulation, that the more the better, really. Um, so it, it would be fantastic if it was daily, but again, in, in typical kind of preschool or kindergarten programs, that might be too much because children sometimes only attend a couple of days a week. So we think two days of 20 minutes is, is a bare minimum. Anything more is a bonus. And the key to it is the repetition and the structure, but also continuing to increase the challenge. So in all of our activities, just like I explained with head, shoulders, knees and toes, you can kind of level it up. It's like going to the next level in the computer game um, and keep leveling it up because that's what really extends children's skills.
0: This was specifically targeted at areas with a lower socioeconomic background. Mm. We know that quality early learning in those areas can make a huge difference to outcomes later on down the track for children how much difference do you think these particular kind of programs can make in terms of the rhythm and movement that you've been working with
1: um, we think it's going to be significant we're actually following um, the children in the next study into school so I'll, I will be able to tell you um, with with clear evidence then but we do know from international research that there are two keys um, to a successful school transition and, and ongoing learning and those two keys are self-regulation and vocabulary um, so it's not about being able to count or know your colors or being able to read or write before you hit prep but it's just those two things and they will buffer children from all sorts of different um, backgrounds um, in terms of having the kind of academic resilience and being ready to learn. So we expect and we hope um, that the gains that we're seeing in emotional regulation and some of the executive functions will stand these children in good stead. Um, the trick will be to understand whether that the gains can be maintained over time and whether in fact that the, the dosage of the program is enough or we need to do
0: more. And I suppose a huge question for you as well is how many early learning centres can you get to adopt this kind of program? How do you move forward with that?
1: There's a huge amount of interest out there both nationally and internationally um, and uh, when people sign up to my website I sort of keep them up to date so the things that we're looking at doing is developing some some online uh, training because we know that not everyone can get to where I am in Brisbane for a workshop for example um, but we have, um, I'm just editing this afternoon actually, some of our training videos where we've gone into kindies where teachers are doing this work really well and we've uh, videoed them in real life with real children so that other Um, kindergarten and early childhood teachers can see can see it working not just in a studio so we're developing all of these resources and we um, hope to hope to get them out there as soon as possible.
0: It's very exciting Kate thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks so much for your time. That's Associate Professor Kate Williams from QUT School of Early Childhood Education and you'll find links to her research and those training episodes she was talking about in the notes of this episode.